Praise the Lord, amen. All right, man. All right, so you guys were just hiding it. All right, I see what was up. You were real excited, but you're like all inside excited, right? Right on. Praise the Lord. So check this out. Welcome to the church, amen? Right on. So um, it's our job, right, to, 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 to listen for God's voice and to, to hear what God has to say, but it's not our job to take that and put it in our pockets, right? We got we to gotta, we gotta let that come out, man, and we got we to gotta start pouring in into the people around us, especially the generation after us. Every, every one of us has a generation before us and generations after us, all right? And so we need to be all about those relationships, man. And so uh, we are, we're starting a new series uh, today and um, kind of kicked it off a little bit last week. And so I'll share a little bit more about that in a minute. But uh, we've been waiting to, uh, to, to share this series for a little over a year now, man. You're like, what took you so long? I was busy, all right? So, um, so check this out. So praise the Lord, amen? Let's pray real quick and, uh, and see what God has to say. So Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the glory and we give you the honor, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, Lord God, that we can hear your voice today. Each of us, directly, Lord God, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I like to... Um, you know, uh, I like you know I, I, I like to try to see what God is saying and where He's leading. Not just me, my family, but also the church, our community, and even the world. And you know, in order to hear from God's voice, a lot of times you just got to go get alone. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think every time you need to get alone. Silence and solitude can cannot go understated or you know or underestimated when it comes to getting alone and hearing hearing from God. All right. And so a lot of times I like to just go out into the woods. All right, not too far out into the woods, the kind of woods where bears ain't gonna really be that kind of, you know, popular. All right, and so I try to get out there and I just wanna just listen to what God has to say. I start praying and I think, all, I know many of you have already told me stories of how you do this as well and I think it's pretty amazing. All right, we just get alone, man, and we just start praying and we start listening and asking God real questions. All right, bring in a Bible, bring in a pad and paper and that's it, phones off, everything off and just listening for the voice of God. And I believe that a lot of times, well, I just know that a lot of times God will speak to you in those moments with what's around you. And you see it throughout the scriptures, man. Right? He's talking to Jeremiah, like, you know, see, what do you see? I see an olive branch. What do you see? I see this, you know, kettle on the fire. All right. And God will use those, those images and those things right around you to speak to you concerning what, you know, he was on his heart and where he's leading. And so I was sitting out there, man, and I'm, I'm asking God, you know, what are you saying, man? What, what, what's happening? What's next? What do, what do we need to be getting prepared for? And I saw in front of me this huge oak tree, this big oak tree, man. It looked like it had been there for years and years, man. And it was growing, but I, could, I looked up and I could tell it was dying, right? It was just this big old oak tree. And, and even top of the part, part of it maybe got too heavy and it broke off, but it was still trying to live. There was like these little little, little, you know, little, what do you call them? Leaves, all right? Yeah, you know, growing off the top of the, he was still trying to live, but it looked like he didn't have much time left. And I looked around him and I saw these young oak trees, all right? And they're like, man, can you move, all right? Because I'd like to get some of that sunlight, you know what I'm saying? It ain't nothing happening. And I'm asking God, you know, hey, what's happening right here? And, and I started to just you know, think of people because God didn't send me out there to think of trees, right? He sent me out there to think of people, think of the church. And, 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 uh, and so I started recognizing 
this, 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 this seasoned warrior that has just been in, 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 you know, been living for years. And I thought, man, if this tree could tell stories, all right, of, of, of the, the events that had taken place around it, you know, over these, you know, however many years this tree has been here, there'd be great wisdom in those stories, wouldn't you think? All right, and, and, then, and then I'm looking at the younger trees and I'm thinking, man, if these younger trees can share with us the new ideas that they're seeing on the horizon as they're paying attention, you don't think maybe you don't think they are. I see them paying attention consistently uh, to the landscape, all right? And if they could come up and share those questions, I think it would be amazing, all right? And I thought, wow, well, what would be even more amazing is if, 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 this, if this older tree person, all right, could see at a non-judgmental table, all right, with this younger tree, this younger person, and if the two of them can share, if that younger person could sit at that table, man, and discover, all right, the wealth of wisdom in this older generation, and if this younger generation, the older generation can, can look to this next generation with trust and admiration and strength, all right, and expectation, all right, looking into the new ideas, all right, that, that they got. I thought, what an amazing scene that would be if that was even consistent and more sought after, Right? My grandkids, man, I love my grandkids. I think I have the most amazing grandkids on the planet, every one of them. Huh. All right, and so, um, but they're all, they all have their unique personalities and they're all pretty amazing. And they all, the thing I love about my grandkids is they all ask good questions. They ask real questions, man, that require the wisdom from that older oak tree. A lot of times my grandson, uh, he comes over, my oldest grandson, he comes over, he says he's coming over to check on his grandparents because he thinks we're getting old or something. He says, come check on you guys. <laughs> Make sure, yeah, I'm sorry, probably he's not bringing a mirror. You still breathing? All right, yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. But a lot of times he'll bring his Jeep over, man, and we'll go out in the garage and we'll start getting busy. I love the fact, you know what I mean, that, that you know, he values the, uh, the, you know, the idea of working on your own stuff, you know what I mean? Trying to fix your own stuff, you know, souping up your own stuff. And he'll come out there, man, and we'll get to work on something that probably should only take a half hour, and we'll be out there till midnight, all right? Not because we don't know how to work on cars, it's because we just chop it up. We're having a blast, and we're checking things, and we're testing things, and we're doing all kinds of fun stuff, man. The other night, man, he blew me away. We're sitting out there. We're working on his Jeep, probably getting close to midnight. And he asked me this question out of the blue, man. He says, Grandpa, he says, how can I, um, how do I become a humble man? I was like, what? I just thought that was an amazing question, man. Now, what, what, what makes him think I can answer that question? It's not because I'm the pastor of the church. What makes him think I can answer that question? What makes him think that I have any input that is going to help him with that question? What even caused him to ask such a question? And I just think of, 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 of how many opportunities that we have surrounding us. I don't care how old you are. You got some, unless you were just born today, all right? And then, you know, you, you got somebody younger than you, all right, looking for answers. Not judgment, but looking for answers, man. 
looking for a, a common ground where they could share new, fresh ideas and be taken seriously. And I will tell you, you have older people surrounding you with wealth, wealth upon wealth of wisdom and experience in this world and living out their faith in this world. Why are these two not gathering regularly? Why are, what, what is missing from this equation? In 2011, it was estimated that over half all right, these, these young Christians who were born into a Christian home, 59% of young Christians born into a Christian home, uh, in 2011, it was estimated that 59% of them left the church. All right, I, a lot of them just left being involved in the church, but many of them left the church altogether. This year, 10 years later, it's estimated now that two-thirds, about 69, almost 70%, are doing the same. What are we going to do about that? Right? What are we going to do about that, man? Don't you think we should do something about that? All right, hand me the remote and leave me alone. No! They're too old. They don't know what I'm talking. No! We need to do something. I look at those statistics and I think, did any of these young people even have a good Christian man or woman close to them in their life? Walking with them, sharing wisdom, uh, you know, trying to dig new and fresh ideas. Like I shared last week, man, it is time for the church to create a different story, amen? It is time for us, yes, to cut from the herd and cut a new trail, amen? All right, and so we're talking about this year, a story this year, the story that we wanna own this year. And I've asked you this question, what story will you live this year? Because let me just challenge you to something. The story you live out will be the story that you give out. You got that? The story that you live out will be the story that you give out. You may not give it out on purpose. You know, my, I remember as a kid, adults would tell me, do as I say, not as I do. I thought that was the stupidest advice I've ever heard in my life. Because I'm going to do exactly what you're doing. <laughs> All right, the, 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 the story that you live out will be the story that you give out. So my question is, what story will you live out? What story will you live out? Shared a quote last week. I'm not gonna put it up there, all right, by Christina Kane. So when we forget who we are and why we are here on the earth, when we forget who we are and why we are here, we as Christians, men and women, <coughs> excuse me, followers of God, <coughs> allergies, all right, anyways, all right, we're not as scared anymore, are we? Anyways, all right, <laughs> hopefully not, all right? When we forget who we are and what we're here to do on the earth, all right, and we just live through life, all right, we just live through what's happening as if it's the only thing that's gonna happen. We forget why God has, has, has placed us here, me, why he has sent us, all right? And we, we forget all that and we live as though what is happening right now is the only thing that's gonna happen. And then what do we have to offer? those around us. It's time. Check this out, guys. It is time for new heroes, right? It is time for new heroes, man. It is time. And you are the heroes. 
And it's time for new heroes, not heroes that, that are just up on a stage or, or, or all, you know, on the screen or, or you know, talking in you know, all these public circles or whatever. It's time for the new heroes, the men and women who are in the trenches, the disciplers, the mentors, the role models. It's time for us, all right, to, to start moving forward, all right? It's time for those men and women who are gonna be intentional, all right? All right, we're intentional with, with, with building bridges out of the craziness of the world, all right? And ultimately, into a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the thrust of this new series that we're calling Creating Tomorrow. Creating Tomorrow. Our involvement, man. Here, check this out. Our, oh, I thought it was other. Uh, creating Tomorrow basically is, 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 is a series that's going to challenge our involvement in that next generation. Because our investment or lack of in the next generation today will form the world tomorrow. Do you, do you recognize that? Today literally does equal tomorrow. To what happens today literally is going to equal what we get tomorrow. What you are putting down payments on with your lifestyle and your life, all right, is going to pay off in dividends. Is that the right word, dividends? I just sounded like it worked. All right, next, tomorrow. Financial word, I don't even know what it means, but it sounded cool. <laughs> every one of us, man, every one of us right now, every one of you have an opportunity to form the future. You have the opportunity, instead of continually turning on the screen and going, man, curse in the darkness, we have opportunities to start lighting candles right now, to turning on lights right now, to investing Right now, our life by living and giving a gospel-centered life that is fully invested in the world around us. But in order to do this, we need to learn how to honor. I love what George McDonald says. I'll put it up here. We need to learn to honor the world. The, 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 the next generation, we need to honor them in the world that they live in. Right? We need to honor them in the world. There are people around you, man. They're like, I got no honor. I, I'm not asking you to honor their world, the world, the world, the world. The world is getting crazier and crazier. But we need to learn how to honor these younger people in the world that they're currently living in because it ain't going away. While we share how we experience Jesus in our world. Does that even make sense? An older gentleman said that his name was Gordon McDonald and he, uh, he's just filled with wisdom. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? This is a spiritual mother. This is a spiritual father. This is a spiritual older brother and a spiritual older sister. Not only in the church, but in the church's expression from the church in the world for his glory, amen? And this is how we're gonna pass on this lasting faith. In Jesus Christ. This is how we're going to connect the new ideas with tried and true wisdom. Let me ask you young people, man, do you ever wish that older people would listen to some of your ideas? Because you have great ideas. We're just wondering if anybody's going to take us seriously. Let me ask you older generations, all right, do you wish that you could speak some wisdom into some of these lives? If only they would listen. There's a way to match this up, man. 
and it is living the life that you're going to eventually give anyways. So it's just taking ownership of that life. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at five, just five. You're like, yeah, only five. Well, there are so many more, and we're going to open this up throughout the year. But we're going to begin with these five. Five, what I believe to be essential practices to live out and to give out. Number one practice that we're going to look at this, and we'll start this one next week, is, is intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Christ. What if worshiping Jesus became a lifestyle, not merely an event? What if we can help others to see how you actually experience Jesus in your life and, and see how they can possibly live out uh, 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 Jesus in, in the world that they, could, that they live in? What if we could connect that? What if we could make, you know, intimacy? What if we can show how intimacy with Christ is actually the life that everyone personally needs to pursue? What if they could actually see the benefit of intimacy with Jesus? Number two, cultural discernment. You know what, man? What we need, what the the world needs is men and women of God who are missionaries, who are going in to understand what is happening in culture, how God sees culture. God doesn't just want to go around and slap people. I guarantee you. You know, we think that God is just so mad. He just wants to start slapping everybody. You ever see that? I don't know. I should have put that up. There's this one video where this guy just starts slapping everybody at this barbecue. And you're thinking, that's God right now in the world. No, it's not. It isn't. What if we can model and teach that living faithfully in today's world is not impossible? What if we can model and teach that? What about meaningful relationships? Number three, what meaningful relationships? What, what, what if cross-generational relationships uh, uh, and that encouraged me to grow spiritually were expected and became the norm? That's world-changing stuff right there, man. I guarantee every new and lasting idea had some some already existing wisdom poured into it. Any new and lasting idea that we are experiencing in the world today, whether it be technology, all right, or or anything, had some tried and true, already existing wisdom poured into it. Somebody got the memo and they connected, all right, they connected. Number four, countercultural mission. We're going to take a look at this of what it, what it, instead of creating these little Christian subcultures, hurry up, get in because the world is lame and, you know, it's going to, everybody's going to hell. Get in here. We have this bubble for you. Jesus never called us to live in a bubble. He actually even prayed the opposite. His father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, that you keep them from the evil one. That we're to remain in the world, but not of the world. Countercultural mission, man. We're going to take a look at what if we were all, what if, what if we were truly excited? And I say we, I say every generation, we're truly excited and engaged in the mission of the church in today's world, not yesterday's world. What if we decided we're not going to try and prepare them for a world that people that, for a world that doesn't exist anymore, but actually start to prepare them for the world that actually does exist? 
Too often we're out there trying to prepare the path, all right, for our kids and, and get the path ready. That is impossible. You cannot prepare the path for the next generation, but you can prepare the next generation for the path. What if we could just take a look at this? And then finally, not finally, but just at the, probably much towards the end of the series, we're gonna take a look at vocational discipleship. What if we understood that no matter where you work, I don't care if it's Taco Bell or, or if you own a business or, or whatever, what if you recognize that you were called before you were employed? What if you recognize, what if every one of us could recognize, can live out, can give out this understanding that we are called, that men and women of God, of followers of Jesus Christ are sent by Jesus Christ. And yes, even into your school, even into, you know, uh, even into uh, your uh, workplace. So you're called before you're enrolled and you're called before you're employed. What if we can recognize all this? We're gonna take a look at all of this stuff Right. And you're like, I don't, I don't know, man. You look at it, the world right now and you're like, I don't know. With the statistics, you know, three quarters of the younger generation almost are, 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 are born and out of here, man. And it's, it's looking pretty dark. But if history, if the history of the church shows us anything, all right, it shows us that the, that, that the roots of faithfulness often sink deeper in anxious and unsettled times. This is obviously somebody else's writing because I don't talk like this, but it's the truth, all right? Faith can grow even, all right, and especially in the darkest places, amen? We've seen the church go through way worse than we're going through right now. And rise above. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus himself said, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He said it. I believe it. And so there we go. Amen? It's a new age, right? It's a new time. And there's new opportunities for us uh, to show an on-purpose way forward. A new opportunity, right, to create disciples who are literally going to lead us into tomorrow. But my question is, how can we develop followers to thrive in a Jesus-centered life in the world today? I mean, how many times have you heard, man, you know, I wish I would have blank more. As people get towards the end of their years, how many times have I heard, I can't, I, it's like the mantra of, you know, almost, you know, getting ready to go and be the Lord or whatever, or wherever you're going to go, all right? But it's like the mantra, oh, I wish I would have more, I wish I would have blank, I wish I would have blank more. I, yeah, I wish I would have, you know, done things differently. I wish I would have lived differently. I wish I would have paid more attention, all right? I wish I would have poured into the life of my kids more. I wish I would have taught more. I wish I would have prayed more. I wish I would have shared more. What if we just said, you know what? I'm gonna make a wish right now. I wish I don't have a, a, a word for that blank when it's time for me to go be with the Lord. I'm hoping that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be confident. I want to be confident. Well done, faithful, good, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. 
but we got to live the life today that we hope to see in the next generation tomorrow. And that goes for every generation, whether you're in high school, junior high, even elementary, or whether you're, uh, you know, just starting out, whether you just started a new family, whether you've been married and seasoned in marriage, and whether, you know, you've got grandkids and, and you're older, whatever. That goes for all of us. Because the story that you live out will be the story that you give out. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. He gives every one of us, all right, the power and the opportunity to even change our story. There are a lot of change stories in here. There's a lot of, I mean, some of you might be thinking, man, I've been given the, change the story. And, and don't try to assume your perceived end in this story. Change the story for his glory, amen? All right, change the story for his glory. Not, I'm gonna change the story because I want my grandkids to do that. I want my, no, 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 no. Wipe, the, wipe that out. Just change the story for his glory and let him do the rest, amen? And that's what we're looking at. We can't expect the church to carry on if we refuse to pass it on. And I love that King David, he knew all these things, right? He knew this stuff, and he set up, early in the Jewish culture, he set the, his, his, his kingdom right, that God has put him charge over. It says that in the scriptures, it tells us that, that David served uh, God you know, to his generations. He basically served the Lord at the time, the best he could, the time he lived, and it was pretty amazing. And we have this psalm, right, that was actually, that, he, that we're gonna, I'm gonna challenge you with right now, uh, Psalms 145, if you wanna tur- turn there, all right? But it was the practice, all right? It was Jewish, early Jewish practice. After David had written this psalm, all right, to recite it twice in the morning, all right, and once in the evening service. And basically, the, the, they, 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 said they, they thought that all who repeated it three times, at least three times a day, would have a share in the world to come. Did you understand that? If they, would, if they would repeat this psalm, I'm only going to read half of it. You can read the whole thing, Psalms 145. I'm only going to take us to 13, verse 13, 1 through 13. But they said, if you would read this, you know, couple of times in the morning. And if you read this one time in the evening, that basically what you're doing is you're ensuring that you're going to have a part in the world to come. You're not just living for today like all that's happening today is all that's happening. And listen to this, because there's, there's, this, there's a, an arithmetic uh, or a... Um, there's some math. <laughs> Do the math. There's three things that are involved right here. It's worship, discipleship, and a changed world. And the, and the equation is worship plus discipleship equals a changed world. Worship plus discipleship equals a changed world. Check it out. I can prove it. Listen, listen to these lines of worship, these first three verses of worship. The psalmist, David, he writes, I will extol you, oh, I will, I will extol you, my God and King. And we're like, who says that? What does that mean? Exuberantly, with everything I got, I'm not holding anything back. I am going to praise you out loud and continue to praise you, and I'm gonna keep praising you, and I'm just gonna praise you. He's, you know, he says, you know, I, I will praise the Lord, all right? Bless the Lord and all that is within me, and, and, and bless his, praise his wonderful name. All right, he said, I will continue to praise you. 
is I'm going to extol you, my God and King, and I will bless your name, check this out, forever and ever. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to continue to just keep praising you. I ain't just going to praise you this morning. I'm not going to just praise you this evening. I'm going to do this forever and ever. He says, let me make this a little more clear. Every day I will bless you and praise your name, all right, forever and ever. He says, not just yesterday, not just today, but I got plans. It is on my calendar, all right, to bless and praise and extol the name of the Lord every day, every day. All right, I'm going to do this. All right, every day I'm going to bless you and I'm going to praise your name once again forever and ever. I'm going to live this life of worship. Why? Because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and great, his greatness is unsearchable. That word, I love Emery pointed out this last week that that word unsearchable means that there is a never ending, there's never ending content to praise him. There is more praises and more praises and he is more and more praiseworthy. This is a life of worship. Are you hearing that? Praise the Lord, man. Come on, man. This is the life he is calling us to live every day. I don't care what generation you're from. If you live a life that is like that, a life of worship, it is infectious. It is contagious, all right? We can say those words now, right, without being all freaked out, all right? So, and so I mean, it is just, it's, just, it's just crazy, crazy life because who lives like this anymore? I mean, isn't that just for like a Sunday morning thing? <laughs> He says, he doesn't say, look at God, Lord, I'm going to extol you and make and bless you at the 930 service. Wait, we want to go to 11, at the 1130 service, all right, or 11 o'clock. Wait, what time is the service? All right, he doesn't say that every day because you will never, never exhaust the reasons to praise his name. Amen. And this life of worship should lead into a life of discipleship. One generation shall commend your works to another. Do you see what he's saying? Because of this life of worship, because your greatness is unsearchable, one generation is going to commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious of your majesty and the wonders of, and, and your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He throws a quick testimony in the middle of there. The Lord is good to all. And mercy is over all that he's made. And if anybody knew, David knew God's mercy. And then we see worship plus discipleship. One generation to another, I will do this, they will do this, I will do this, they will do this. We see a changed world. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints, all of them. Did you know that you're a saint? If you've given your life to Christ, you know that he calls you a saint. We've taken that word and we've turned it into something stupid. We just have. We've made it too big to reach when, in fact, God says, no, man, I'm even calling you a saint. What does that mean? So anyways, again, God's standards, which what's, <laughs> blow me away sometimes. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man, to make known to all mankind, to change the world of your mighty deeds.
and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It just never ends. And your dominion endures throughout all generations, every generations. Worship plus discipleship equals a changed world. But we cannot expect the world to change, at least the world around us to change, if we refuse to change it. Do you know that today, there's a generation called Generation Z. And the age group of that generation right now is just kind of vague on both ends, but it's around the age of six years old to the age of 24. It's about this Gen Z generation. You know that almost half of them, 41% do not identify with any religion. They don't believe that religion at all is good for the culture or country. And I agree that religion might not be good, but a relationship with Christ changes the world. Amen. So how are we going to make it easier for them to know Jesus? How are we going to make it easier? Because this is our job. This is not like, oh, do we, don't we have a youth program? You know what I mean? Don't we have like the kids thing? Um, my question is, don't we have men and women who are adults that love Jesus? I think we got a lot of those. So we have a lot of, you know, uh, opportunity. How are we going to lead them to growing relationship with Jesus? Through discipleship, man. Through discipleship. And we're, we're going to talk more and more about this because I know that word is not often used outside of the church, disciple and discipleship and stuff like that. But let me just tell you this. No matter how big your church is, no matter how big, uh, how much influence our church has, or no, how big of a community impact our church has, if our church is not making disciples, our church is not a good church. Do you recognize that? I don't care how many people show up. Or how much influence that people around the community go, oh, yeah, the church, you know what I mean? Or, or, or how, I mean, I don't care how many, how much impact that we have on, 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 you know, social injustice or whatever the case may be. If we are not making disciples, we're not a good church because that is what Jesus expects of his church. He said to go and make disciples. The rest will follow. Influence, impact, all that stuff will follow. Go and make disciples of people so, they can, so, for, for, so people can think like Jesus, look like Jesus, live like Jesus, speak like Jesus, and especially love like Jesus. And I told you last week, if your people don't know Jesus, then maybe you need to be Jesus to your people so they can get an idea of what Jesus is really like. What does it look like to be Jesus to the generation following you? What does it look like? You're looking around, you're going, I don't know if this is going to work, man. Because this mo- it's, the world's moving real fast, right? Everything's moving real fast. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. The pace is way too off the chart. I can't keep up. I want to challenge you with something right now. Just humor me for a minute, all right? I want you to clap with me as I clap. You ready? Get your clapping hands ready. I want you. No, no, no. Not, you're, almost, you're almost there. All right? Look at me. <laughs> Right on, brother. You stay close. All right, good. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, where you at?
What does that tell you about pace? Pace is, isn't is, pace is set. Do you understand? Pace is set. Pace is not fast. Pace is not slow. We determine the pace. Vision determines the pace. If we would start to see, all right, the generations around us, not so much with our eyes, but with the vision of God, it will start to, the vision will start to determine the pace. Amen? I'm telling you what, man, when I started working with students, all right, years ago, man, it was probably almost 25 years ago, I started working in student ministry, right? And I was just having a blast with kids, but I started recognizing they're moving real fast. I went over to this one kid's house, all right? And he, I was gonna go talk to him and I was gonna hang out with him a little bit. And they go, yeah, he's in his room. I go in his room, he has music full blast. He's got his TV on. He's got headphones on. He's on his computer doing his homework. I'm like, what in the world? This guy's going 100 miles an hour. Who would that tell me I needed to do? I didn't walk in there and say, hey, turn that off, turn that off, turn that off. Get that. I need to talk to you about Jesus. No, 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 no. I went in there, started jamming on that song, started watching, well, that's pretty, whoa, you know what I mean? And like, what are you looking on that homework? I don't understand any of that. All right, I had to start to run 100 miles an hour, not fake it. All right, but I started to try to catch up and I started to blast off and I started recognizing that, that most of the youth in the youth ministry that I was leading that time were all going about 100 miles an hour. So what did that require of me? All right, to catch up, all right, to start going 100 miles an hour, all right, honoring them in the world that they live in, all right? And as I'm honoring them in the world that they live in, I look at them and I start having conversations, all right? And we start talking a little bit and we start getting to know each other and they start to recognize I do take them seriously. And I say, and they start to recognize also that I do care, all right? And I might have something to say. And I start to understand that, you know what? This is a cool person. This person's got great ideas. And I, and I start saying, hey, and I start slowing down the conversation a little bit. And the next thing you know, we start just talking face to face. And the next thing you know, questions are coming. And we're sitting there and we're talking about really, really deep things. Then we take off again, all right? <laughs> all right, but that's just the... That's just the pace of grace. You recognize? We set the pace. Pace is set. It's not just fast or slow. We need to choose to catch up. We need to choose to engage because I'm telling you, man, so many of you have such great wisdom. And so many of you have so many new and fresh ideas. And the two, if they would just connect is world changing. So what I want you to do this week, pretty simple. <laughs> and this is kind of be the charge of a lifetime of a follower of Jesus. I want you to recognize your job description. Every one of us here has the beginning. There may be some other details that we don't have share, but we do share the first top three. Number one, worship Jesus daily, sold out, pursue God, he's unsearchable. There's, you'll never run out of reasons to praise him. Worship and pursue intimacy with Jesus, right? Number two, make disciples, make disciples. You already know where I'm going with number three, change the world, change the world, man. That's it. That's our charge. We're going to get into the details in the next few weeks because we got to recognize that the story 
you live out will be the story that you give out. Amen? <laughs> Got a little sweaty. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus, right?